one of the tools that the Bible uses to teach us is with paradox. And it's interesting because paradox means something is seemingly a contradiction or an oddity. It could be described as a puzzle or a riddle. And yet the Lord uses these oddities or these, these puzzling statements sometimes to communicate a very important truth. And today I want to talk about the oddity or the paradox, dying is living. The Bible teaches that dying is living. Notice Galatians 2 and verse 20. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. As we mentioned in a message earlier this semester, when someone was to be crucified, when they picked up a cross and headed to a place of crucifixion, they weren't coming back. Crucifixion was identified with death. It was a sentence of death. So Paul here says, I'm crucified with Christ. So there's death involved there. Nevertheless, I live. And this is simply a reteaching of something that Jesus taught. Jesus said in John chapter 12, verse 24, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. That which thou sowest is not quickened, except it die. We know that if you put a, a seed into the ground, it literally rots in the ground. It, it is rotted, but it is from that rottenness of that seed that life comes, life germinates. So let's look at three actions in dying in order that we might truly live. If in order to live, Jesus says we have to die, and Paul is reiterating it here, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. If, if living is dying, how does that happen? Three actions. First, this is a deliberate act. A deliberate act. I've often said, every morning when you get up, the first thing you should do is have a funeral for self. You have to die to self. Because self, immediately when you get up, for me, it's before I get up because I don't want to get up. I mean, the minute you open your eyes in the morning, self wants control, doesn't it? It says, you're tired. You should sleep in a little. You can read your Bible later. Uh, doctor, I'll read it in class anyway, so don't worry about it at all, right? I mean, self begins to take over. And so the first thing we got to do every day is we've got to die to self. We've got to put self on the altar, as it were. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. You say, well, I just don't really feel motivated to do that. I, I mean, I love myself. I have plans for myself. I have things that self wants to accomplish. I, I have things that self wants to do. 
But notice Paul's appeal there. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. The motivation of dying to self is the mercy of God. Because apart from the mercy of God, where would we be? It is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. His compassions fail not. They're new every morning. Uh, Paul, again, uh, repeats this theme over and over in the book of Romans, where he says in Romans 6, verse 2, How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? We, 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 we were saved. We, we repented of sin. We turned from our sin. We trusted Christ the Savior. So are we going to live in that sin? Are we going to live for self? Romans 6, 11, Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with its affections and lusts. Colossians 3 and verse 3, Ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. So my will, my agenda, my plans are dead. As the psalmist said, I delight to do thy will, O God. As Jesus prayed in the Gethsemane Garden, not my will, but thine be done. Have you prayed that? Have you died to self? Have you died to the old man? There comes a point in your life, if you're going to live, that you must die. I stood in a doctor's office at the age of 19. And after two years of struggling with my health, being flat on my back for three months in a hospital bed, my senior year in high school, unable to move a muscle. Two years later, that same doctor told me in that office that day, John, you'll never play sports again. You can live a normal life. You can live a long life but you're never going to play sports again. My whole life was sports. That's all I lived for, football, basketball, track. Now it was gone. And I remember driving back to the college, walking on that practice field. The offense and the defense, they were scrimmaging. The coach had told me that he needed to know if I was going to be able to play that year. I had been practicing, I'd been working out. I went from sitting on the edge of that bed five seconds a day to working out 17 hours a day to play football again. And now I've been told I, I'd never play again. That the things going on in my body would just not allow him to give me a release to play sports ever again. And I remember walking up behind that offense. The coaches were standing behind the offense as they were scrimmaging, and I walked up behind those coaches. And the head coach, his name was David Wikes. He was 6'8", weighed 270 pounds, a huge man. When he, when he stretched out his arms, <laughs> he looked like he could fly, you know. 
And he kind of caught sight of me out of his peripheral, and he came over and he said, John, what's the news? He knew I'd gone to the doctor to get a final verdict. He said, what's the news? I said, Coach, I'll never play again. Now, I remember he put his arm around me, and boy, he could reach the other side. <laughs> and he kind of grabbed me by my opposite shoulder, and he pulled me up close to him. And he said, John, whatever happens, serve the Lord. And I looked at that football laying in that dirt between that offense and defensive huddle for what I thought was the last time. And I turned around, walked off that field, and when I did, I said, okay, God, I surrender. I've been running. I've been fighting. I've been trying to escape what you want in my life. I die. I'm done fighting. I'm done running. I can't outrun you. I can't outfight you. You can have my life. I don't know why you'd want it. My life at that point was a mess. Oh, I was in Bible college. My life was a bunch of broken pieces. My life versus Job 16, 12. I was at ease. But he has broken me asunder. He has taken me by my neck and shaken me to pieces and set me up for his mark. I drove to a little drive through restaurant, a place called the Tip-Up. sounds like a bar. <laughs> we didn't have McDonald's in those days, or Burger King, or Wendy's, or In-N-Out. We didn't have anything. We had the Tip-Up. I drove that drive through, got a hamburger, fries, and a Coke. I sat there in that restaurant. I don't know if anybody else is in there or not. And I died. I gave my life to God. I said, God, I, I, I don't know what you want with my life, but whatever you want, I'm tired of running. If you want me to be a missionary, I'll be a missionary. If you want me to be a pastor, I'll be a pastor. If you want me to sweep floors in a church, I'll sweep floors in a church. I don't care. Just tell me what you want because I'm not running anymore. I'm dying. finished my meal and finished my prayer. Shed a lot of tears in that place that day. I drove home. My parents had sold the farm while I was in the hospital. They couldn't, they couldn't keep it going. They bought a little house in town. I, I pulled the car into the garage there. And as I got out of the car, there was a window right there, and I saw my mother running around the side of the garage. My mother doesn't usually run around garages. She came running that garage. She said, John, you can play, you can play, you can play. And I said, no, no, Mom. No, I, I was just at the doctor. He said, I'd never play again. She said, I know where you are. He just called. Somehow the tests this morning were read wrong. Your heart is back to normal size. You can play football tomorrow. Within one hour of the time I died to self, God said, okay, now you can play football. I played three years of college football and four years of college basketball. 
God gave me back what I enjoyed once I died. Have you died? Or are you still on your agenda, your plan, uh, uh, your strategy? This is what I'm going to do with my life. Or have you said, God, I die. It's a deliberate act. And it's a daily activity. Paul says, I want a living sacrifice. Now remember something, young people. Your flesh is not saved. When you got saved, your flesh didn't get saved. Your flesh is still your flesh. Your flesh is still Adamic. You still have this this free will to crawl off that altar of sacrifice whenever you want to. You can take an exit from the will of God whenever you choose to do so. It's not a wise choice. It's not a smart choice, but but you have a free will. You have an ability to exercise your will, and and, and you can make a decision to die to self, but, but you've got to do that daily. Paul said, I die daily. The inward man has to be renewed day by day. An interesting story in Genesis 39, you know it, about Joseph. And Potiphar's wife. One day Potiphar's wife came to Joseph and she tempted him to have a physical relationship with her. And we marvel at Joseph stand there as a young man saying, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Boy, he he takes his stand. He understands I can't do this. This would be wrong. This would be sin in the sight of God. But it's interesting, in the next verse, it says, as she came to him day by day, he refused to lie with her or to be with her. Somebody said, opportunity knocks but once, temptation leans on the doorbell every day. The temptation to take your life back, the temptation to live for self comes every day. And so this is a a daily routine. Every day we're going to have a temptation to take our life back. The struggle is going to be every day when it gets hot, when there are fires, when we have to meet outside. It's easy to say this isn't for me. Willie Mays, the great Hall of Famer baseball player, he said it wasn't difficult to have a great game in baseball. What was difficult was to be great every game. And college students, it's not difficult to be a great Christian at West Coast Baptist College when you're in chapel. I mean, everybody else is trying to be a great Christian. It's not difficult to have a a highlight day as a Christian and, boy, I live for God today. Man, I I went out and I told somebody about Christ and they got saved or I got to preach today or I got to teach a lesson today or I got to see this in my life. God provided for me a financial gift and I'm able to pay my school bill. It's not hard to have a great day as a Christian. What's difficult is being great for God every day. Every day we've got to die to the old man and die to self. You know, if you're going to be known as a clean-shaven man, you've got to shave every day, right? I mean, 
To shave today doesn't qualify you as a clean-shaven man. If you're known as a clean-shaven man, you've got to shave every day. By the way, if you're going to be known as a godly Christian, you've got to be godly every day. I mean, it's wonderful when, when, when God speaks to our heart. We maybe walk an aisle, we get some things right, or we go out and we serve God, and we do something great for the sake of, of Christ. But, but, but this is a daily thing. Every day. So when pride comes, die. When self comes, die. When worry comes, die. When lust comes, die. When fear comes, die. When jealousy comes, die. When criticalness comes, when compliments come, die, 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 die. Every day. And when we do, thirdly, there's a desired access. Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Christ can't live in you until your flesh is dead in you. But once you die to self, once you die to the flesh, now Christ has access to your life. See, when we're living for our sinful flesh, when we're living for us, there's no room for Christ. There's no room for him to control. But when we're empty of self, it is then when we can be filled with God. We which live are all we delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be manifest in our flesh. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. Young people, this is the secret to the Christian life. Dying to self. Emptying of self so that Christ can fill. You can only live the abundant life, the fulfilled life, the complete life, the enjoyable life when you die. Dying is living. The songwriter wrote, one by one he took them from me. All the things I valued most until I was empty-handed. Every glittering toy was lost. And I walked earth's highway grieving in my rags and poverty till I heard his voice inviting, lift your empty hands to me. So I held my hands toward heaven and he filled them with a store of his abundant riches until they could contain no more. And at last I comprehended with my stupid mind and dull that God could not pour his riches into hands already full. Are you empty of self so that God can fill your life with himself? Or are we so filled with ourself that if God poured himself on us, it would run off of us like water on a duck's back? You can't pour water into a full bottle. It just runs over the side. When you empty that bottle of all of its content, now it can be filled. When you and I empty of self, and we empty daily ourselves before God, the Holy Spirit of God is able to fill us and use us and make our life significant and worth living because dying is living.